immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out into the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. And Lord, we thank you for miracles. Lord, I just know that each one of us can look at our own lives and see the miracles that you've worked in in and through us, Lord, through the gift of salvation that we have the opportunity to live out every day. We thank you for that. And Lord, as we listen to your word, we ask that we hear with spiritual ears, Lord, but not just hear, Lord, but propel us to take in your word and change our lives and to take action from your word. Lord, I love you, and I pray these things in your name. Amen. We talked at the beginning last week, I hope you've been reading with us through the Gospel of Mark. We talked last week about one of the themes in the Gospel of Mark is that of 40. Most of us, we are on the receiving end of 40, don't like 40. In other words, we don't like to be told what to do. We are owners of our own destiny. We are, we are people who like to dig our heels in, who like to uh, grip uh, anything that we can get our hands on just so that we will not be able to seek control. Because oftentimes we think authority has been controlled. One of the major themes through the Gospel of Mark is that authority, specifically that of the authority of Jesus Christ. We'll see that over and over and over throughout the Gospel, throughout our time together. I want to ask you a question, though, in regards to conflict, because as Kate has read for us, this particular text in Mark Chapter 2 is not just about authority, but it's also about conflict. And if you've, let, if you, if you've lived any time at all, and looking around, and we've all lived at least a little bit, we've all experienced conflict, right? We've all experienced conflict. Maybe conflict in the church, maybe conflict among family members. You know, we just came through a stressful time about Thanksgiving or Easter when you got together and everybody acts like they get along. You know what I'm talking about? 
There's some tension in the air. You can almost feel it. I can promise you it's the same thing with churches. When visitors come in and they sense there's some conflict, you guys know conflict, don't you? If you've been around Gilchrist for any length of time, you know you know conflict. And so the question is, what do you do in conflict? What do you do as, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ? Because you'll grant me at least this point. We're supposed to be different than the rest of the world. Amen? So how do we deal with conflict? If you've looked at the news here recently, I mean, you don't even have to be uh, just somewhat aware of the news. And you've seen how people outside the church, at least they present themselves as being outside the church. You know what I'm talking about? And there's this thing called the wall. And however you seem to think about the wall, whether it should be built or shouldn't be built, I don't want to get into politics, but you can see how one side is dealing with conflict and the other side is not dealing with conflict. And notice I didn't specify which side is your side or my side or whatever. The point is, though, that we're not dealing with conflict very well, are we? I mean, most of the time, uh, people don't want to deal with conflict, so they take their toys and they go home, right? If I just act like you don't exist, then everything will go away. If I bury my head in the sand and act like, you know, it's like that playing peekaboo with that little baby, right? There's something within us that says, uh, as, as, as babies, uh, and we, it's not just babies, I suppose, it's all of us to some degree. If I can't see you, if I can't see a particular issue, if I can't see a conflict, if I can't see a challenge, in other words, if I disregard it, then eventually it will go away. You know what I'm talking about? Now, I'll just tell you that's really, really unhealthy. And the problem in, 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 in too many churches today, in too many families, in, in society at large, is we've allowed, we've kicked the can down the road. I'm full of metaphors. We've kicked the can down the road for so long and not dealt with the conflict, not dealt with the tension in the room, not dealt with the friction that Satan is winning, and he's winning, and he's winning. And if Jesus wants to, you don't get anything else out of what I'm talking about this morning. Jesus wants to come in to your life, to communities, to the entire world, and he wants to change everything. He's in the business of reconciliation. He's in the business of redemption. He's in the business of healing. And we'll talk about healing here in just a few moments. But Jesus wants to change everything. And he does so often through the Holy Spirit. And yet even the church, even within the church, I'm talking about the big C, not just still Chris, but if you wear it, if, if it fits, then wear it. But he's not, if we never deal with the conflict, if we never deal with the tension, in other words, if we just have those surface level conversations that we say, how are you? And I say, I'm fine. That's a surface level conversation. Those are weather conversations, right? No, in full weather, we're not fine, right? But I put a particular mask on, and I try to convince you that everything's okay. You hear what I'm saying? We should be different than the world, and yet oftentimes, too often, we're not. How do you deal with conflict? Many of us run from conflict, right? I mean, that's the last thing we want to deal with. And so anytime we sense attention, anytime we sense stress, anytime we, we, we know there's going to be some kind of argument or there's going to be some kind of conversation, and we become defensive and we try to escape from whatever that scenario is. And so we try to avoid, avoid, avoid. That's not healthy. On the other hand, some of us run too conflict. You want to talk about unhealthy? This is really unhealthy. 
where you're always looking for conflict, right? Where you're always, you see something on a distance and you think you've got the best on your chest. You're going to be Superman and you're going to swoop in and, and save the day. Some of us think that, that's, that we're supposed to be the Messiah, that we're going to be the, the Redeemer, or that we're going to be the Savior of whatever particular conflict it is. And God help us if that's the way we feel. That's unhealthy as well. The third option is many of us, some of us, I shouldn't say many of us, but some of us always find ourselves in the middle of conflict. Maybe you don't run from conflict, maybe you don't run to conflict, but if you look back over your life, perhaps you've seen conflict, conflict, conflict. Um, and it feels like that's probably a healthy place for you as well. This particular text here in Mark chapter 2 that Cage read for us is about conflict. What will you do with Jesus? Because he's often seen as one who causes conflict, right? Specifically with the scribes or the religious people here today. What are they going to do with Jesus? That's the question we must all ask ourselves. What are you going to do when Jesus shows up? I ask you to take out this card. and um, I want you to think about somebody for just a few moments. Think about somebody in your life. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's somebody that you know from a distance. But I want you to think about that person and do more than think about it. See, I think that accountability is something that we're lacking in our church today. When I say church, again, I'm not talking about Hillcrest, I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about the big C. Words like accountability and trust and discipleship have gone by the wayside. We've become so independent that we just hope that you figure it out. We'll do our thing, you do your thing. I hope you figure it out. I hope to see, I hope to see you in heaven one day. That's the way we think. That's not the way it should be, but that's the way we think. So I'm going to ask you to do something, and I'm going to hold you accountable. And I'm going to do the same thing. I want you to take this index card, and I want you to write that person that God puts on your heart. Again, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's somebody that you come in contact with, one of your hobbies. I don't know. It doesn't really matter to me. But I want you to write down a person that you feel like you need to have a conversation with. Conversation about Jesus. Does that make sense? You guys are looking at me. Yes? Am I communicating? Okay. So I want you to think about somebody, and then I want you to offer that to the church. I want you to either give it to Dottie, give it to myself, give it to your elder. I want you to give the card to somebody. Again, I think accountability is something that's reigning in our church. It's something that we're, we talk about things, right? We get together every Sunday, and we, we talk about some things, and we feel really spiritual, but that's as far as it goes, is we never go farther than talking about things. And so this particular person or persons that you write on this card, I'm going to commit to you this morning that I will pray for that person. I will pray for that scenario. I will pray for a nexus point where God will allow you to meet with that person or persons, and that redemption, restoration, some kind of healing can take place. You follow what I'm saying? Now, there's probably 40 of us in here, 45 in here, and I would, I would, I'm going to, I'm going to guess there's probably going to be seven people that take my instructions. Is that too many? Is that not enough? But I, I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping there's 40 out of 40 they give me a card sometime today before you leave. But my experience has been, every time I've done this, that you won't follow through with accountability. That you won't set out to have these divine appointments with this particular person in your life so that healing can take place. 
And I'm not necessarily talking about healing between you and the person. I'm talking about ultimately healing between them and God. You hear what I'm saying? We're told to go and make disciples, are we not? We're, we're told to go and evangelize the world. We're told to go and share the gospel. And we talk about it. We talk about it. We talk, love God, love people, and love by going. Right? You guys know it. Love by going. And this is an opportunity for you to be held accountable for the next six months, for the next year, throughout 2019, of, of somebody that you've not only thought about, somebody, somebody that you've prayed about, and there's other people joining you in praying about this particular person or persons that God would give you a divine appointment to share the good news with them. Maybe it's to invite them to church. Maybe it's to ask for forgiveness. You, you know the relationship has been broken for months or years. Maybe this is an opportunity. That means you have to put your pride aside and go have a relationship with them, right? Right? right. All of a sudden, you dismiss yourself, right? This is a text about conflict. What do you do with Jesus? I'm convinced, church, I'm convinced that we all too often, we gather around this table, we sing a few songs, we hear a couple of meditations, we, we're very religious, we may have all the Sunday school answers, but that's as far as it goes. In other words, we don't do anything else with it. And my challenge to myself this, this year in 2019, my challenge to you as Hillcrest Christian Church, is by the time we have this conversation a year from now, that there's a few more people in here that you invite to church. That there's a few more hospital visits that you've made. You hear what I'm saying? Well, wait a minute. I'm not an elder. Doesn't matter. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. Go see somebody in the hospital. Well, I'm not really comfortable with that. doesn't matter if you're comfortable with it or not. Go love somebody. Have a conversation with, you guys remember Home Improvement, uh, Tim the Tool Man, and, and you had a conversation with Wilson, who's over the fence. You never got to see Wilson, right? But you saw the top of his head. There were these conversations that took place. It was something that was unique about the, the show. And there's some Wilson in your life. There's some conversation that you need to have with a neighbor or with a family member. These people who picked up, who cared enough for their friend to pick up his cot and take him to Jesus and have that nexus moment. Who's that person who is paralyzed in your life that you need to pick up? This is not just a story. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not sure I'm convincing many of you. This is really not just a story. Notice what it says again. Jesus enters his hometown. Scriptures will tell us that oftentimes you are disregarded, especially in your hometown, if you're speaking as Jesus speaks. And the crowd gets so big, when Jesus is in this particular house, it gets so big that you can't find a way in. They want to hear what Jesus has to say. And I'm sure there were some conversations on the outskirts of this community, right? On the, on the place where you're, nobody else could hear you, at least. I was sitting back here in the back where Chase sitting now, and I was hearing... The, the, the ushers, the guys who were going to serve the table, and they thought they were whispering, but they really weren't whispering. You understand what I'm talking about? The, the people in the, if you're if you're any kind of hearers at all, the, the people in the last three rows on both sides could probably hear what was being talked about back here. Kind of the same scenario here. When you're gathered in this house, even though the, the group is so large, even though the crowd is so large, there's probably these conversations where you think you're you think you're whispering. Isn't this, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this just, hear that? Isn't this just Jesus? Those conversations surely were taking place throughout the house, right? 
There was no room left, it says, not even outside the door, and Jesus was doing as Jesus had come to do. He was preaching the word. In verse 3, we begin to really get into the text of the meat, if you will, of the, the text here. So men came, and, and this is what I want you to do on your card. Write it down. Don't just think about the person or persons. Write it down so that you will hold yourself accountable. God has been sharing with you this person or persons for a long time, and you haven't put one foot in front of the other, and you haven't gone to that person and had this conversation, this divine appointment with them, and I'm encouraging you to do so now. You have to love these people enough to do something about their life. That's why this particular story is so important. It says, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man. If you're paralyzed, you need some kind of hope, right? Yes. You need some kind of good news, right? Yeah. You may not know a physically paralyzed person, but I can promise you, you know somebody who's paralyzed spiritually. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, it's easy for us to go through a prayer list right here. It's easy for us to know that so-and-so has cancer, so-and-so's been in the hospital, so-and-so, Ian, or the son-in-law of yours, is going through some health problems right now, and is having some testing for strokes and things like that. We can see symptoms of those things, and so we list these on our prayer list. It's easy to see those symptoms, but spiritually, those are much harder to see, and those are much harder to sense. You follow what I'm saying? Isn't it interesting that we know the physical things, but we often forget about those who are spiritually paralyzed? Yes? Yes. Yeah, we do. And you know somebody. I promise you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, maybe you figured it out, maybe you haven't figured it out. Maybe you don't know who to write on the card. But I can promise you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, no matter where your life takes you, no matter where you find yourself Monday through Saturday, there's somebody that you can interact with that is spiritually paralyzed. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. They don't know how they're going to make their marriage work. That they're laid up in a hospital bed. Or they're a caregiver and they've been caring for somebody for a long, long time. And you can't see, you, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You understand what I'm talking about? It's a hopeless, hopeless, hopeless scenario. Now, you, as believer, follower of Jesus Christ, as one of four people in this story, would care enough about them to pick up their cot and take them to Jesus. You try to you get you know what I'm saying, right? Again, some of you are not so sure. This is the gospel. This is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're supposed to do, right? We can't just gather here and go through the motions week in and week out and claim we're the church. The church is all about picking up cots and taking them to Jesus. They can do that in a lot of different ways. Maybe you pay a bill. Maybe you, maybe you do some education and teach them what it means to budget. Maybe, it, maybe it's you refer them to a counselor. Maybe it's, maybe it's you, you come together as a group and you say, you know, you don't need to know the details about this specific incident, but I can tell you that so-and-so needs some help. And so let's be the church. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. You've heard that phrase before, right? Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. So let's go do some painting. Or let's go do some very practical things. But you know what you're doing when you're doing those practical things? You're picking up your cot and you're taking them to Jesus. If you haven't picked up on it yet, you know what happens when the man meets Jesus, right? And immediately he's healed. And everything, you can imagine this person who's been paralyzed for a long, long, long time. 
and you've just relegated, in your mind, your life is just one of paralysis, right? Hopeless situation. But when Jesus shows up, this is a divine appointment, right? Now, this is not just some kind of off-the-cuff thing that Mark records for. This is a divine appointment where Jesus shows up, and he's not just teaching them by his mouth. He's teaching them in, in a lot of different ways. And, and he's sharing with them what they, as followers of Jesus, are able and should be doing. And for the man who's paralyzed, <laughs> let's just say it changes his world, his life forever. Can you imagine when we have testimony time, this man who gets up and says, kind of like a blind man, who had been blind from birth and says, I don't know where he's at, but I can tell you that Jesus has changed my life. Have you ever experienced testimonies like that? If you've never reflected on your own testimony, I, I pray that's part of your testimony. I, I know what I was before, now I know what I am after I met Jesus, right? You've moved from paralysis to healing. Jesus has done something for you. He's redeemed that which needs to be redeemed, right? He's reconciled you to God and perhaps even you to the rest of your family, the rest of your community. There's restoration that begins to take place when Jesus shows up, right? There's reconciliation that takes place. There's redemption that takes place. And the hopeless have hope. And the man gets up, and if you want to talk about worship, surely this guy who was told to get up, take your mat, and go home was able to worship. Right? Yeah! That's what it's all about. And yet all too often we... We receive, we talked about consumerism here recently, we receive, we receive, we receive, we receive, we receive, but we never give. In other words, we think we're the, the man who is paralyzed, and, and we often are before we meet Jesus, but instead of going and telling the world about Jesus, um, we just leave it at that. We, 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 become, we, we hang out. And our obligation to church is to go and carry cops. I love this scenario. So since they could not get into Jesus' public crowd, well, have you ever run into a, a roadblock? Have you ever have you ever invited somebody to church and they say, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in that kind of stuff? And you say, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dust my feet off them. Bob says, dust my feet, right? I'm on the next person. And you never go back to that same person. I can promise you if it's a divine appointment, God will give you an appointment after appointment after appointment with the same person. It doesn't matter what roadblock you. These men fell into a roadblock, right? I guess we can't do anything. The guy can't be healed. The guy can't meet Jesus because it's too crowded. And they become creative enough to walk up on the in the ancient areas. You have these houses that had these exterior stairways, which led to places where you hung out in the summer months and, and places where you would hold the you know food and, and vegetables and things like that. But they they be creative enough and they walk up on the stairwell and they begin to dig a hot I was thinking this past week about being underneath as they began to dig through the thatched roof. Right? And you're like, what's going on, man? There's dust in my eye. There's something. And the hole got bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the soon, you know that they're starting to lower this man down. It's not something that happens right away, is it? But they, they, they made it to a roadblock. They ran into a roadblock. They ran into a roadblock that doesn't stop. They love their friend enough, Wes. They love their friend enough to be creative to do whatever it takes to get them to Jesus. Do you, you feel that way about the person you wrote on your heart? Do we love people? We say we love God. We say we love people. Prove it. Love by going. Love by carrying pots. Love by doing something regardless of the roadblocks. Right? Let, let me give you a roadblock. Let me give you a practical roadblock. 
The last couple of months, we have not made budget here at Hillcrest Christian Church. You know how often I talk about money? Probably not often enough. Amen. Probably not often enough. And one of the roadblocks we have is money. We've had to replace a heating and air conditioning unit. We've had the flood. We've had all these roadblocks, quote-unquote roadblocks, if you will. And those things can define us, or we can see them as enemies, works of Satan, things that try to prevent us from getting to Jesus and getting more people to come into this building and meet Jesus. We can let those things define us, or we can say, despite those things, I'm going to continue to give. I'm going to continue to go. I'm going to continue to be the church that God... You understand what I'm saying? There, there are two different ways to deal with this fork in the road. And how are we going to deal with it? The way we hear, well done, thank you. The way we hear, well done, good and faithful servant, is to deal with those things in the right way. And if you're so focused on roadblocks, these roadblocks are going to paralyze. But if you're creative enough to work despite the roadblocks, if you're creative enough, you know what? Let's go upon the stairwell and let's begin. I, I believe so much in this Jesus. I believe he can do something about this paralyzed man. I, I believe despite the circumstances, something can be done. This guy needs some hope. They loved him enough to do something despite the roadblocks. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to love society enough we need to love the people in our lives enough to do something despite the roadblocks. I love it. Some men brought their friend, and now you get the religious people. In verse 5, Jesus goes so far as to say, Son, your sins are forgiven. What? This is a problem for religious people, right? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Remember we talked about authority? Who is this Jesus? Only God can. Only God can forgive sins. At least that's what the religious people are saying, right, here's the authority, what do you do with Jesus? When Jesus says what he does, the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming, who can forgive sins but God alone? You know what blaspheming means? That, that's the worst thing you can do. It was pretty serious. I'm going to take you back to a text in Leviticus chapter 24. Listen to what it says right here. Now the son of an Israelite mother, an Egyptian father, you get the idea, right? This is a mixed marriage, one being Israelite, one being Egyptian. This son went out among the Israelites, and the fire broke out in the camp between him and Israelite. But he saw the Israelite woman blaspheme. There it is. Blasphemy, right? He blasphemed the name. What's the name? Capital N. He, he, he disregarded God. Have you ever told God, have you ever said God's name today? It, it's not just about what we typically think of. You know, if you disregard God, that's blasphemy. This person was guilty of blasphemy. He blasphemed the name of the curse. So they brought him to Moses. Now catch this. Listen, listen to how serious it is. So they brought him to Moses. They brought him to the leader. His mother's name was Shelometh, just in case you, this is historical account. His mother's name was Shelometh, the daughter of Gibri the Danite. They put him in custody until the will of the Lord should be made clear to him. You know what? Let's hold him. Let's pray about it. Let's figure out what God wants to do. Right? Then the Lord said to Moses, take him out. Take the blasphemer. That's guilt. Moses doesn't have to declare him guilty. Why? Because God has declared him guilty. Take the blasphemer outside the camp. All those who heard him are to lay their hands on his head. And the entire assembly is to stone him. Pretty serious? Say to the Israelites, anyone who curses their God will be held responsible. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord is to be put to death. The entire assembly will stone them, whether foreigner or native-born, whether it's Israelite, whether Egyptian. You can't plead ignorance. You know the truth. Don't disregard God. 
you hear the accusation the people, the religious people are making for Jesus here? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And notice, notice the response of Jesus. Why are you thinking these things? They didn't even say them out loud, right? But he knows their thoughts. He goes even so far as knowing their thoughts. Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. In other words, there's this physical thing that's about to take place. It's going to be a miracle. That's a miracle in and of itself, right? And I'm fixing to do that. But even a greater miracle, okay, you mentioned it, even a greater miracle is them meeting Jesus. The spiritual miracle is much greater than the physical miracle, right? We pray about physical miracles when we talk about our prayer list, but what about spiritual miracles? That's what I'm asking you to do on this card. Pray about a spiritual miracle. That's what Jesus is getting at. There's something greater than just get up, take your mat, and go home. But just so that you'll know that I can forgive sins, it says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, take your cot, get out of here. The man got up and took his mat and walked out full of view of them all. This amazed everyone. Praise God saying, we've never, ever, ever seen anything like this. This is where it's at. Now let me ask you, as I conclude, to think about the story for just a second. Who's the story about? Jesus? Yeah, about Jesus. Specifically what you do with Jesus, right? The authority that Jesus has. Jesus, Jesus is God in the flesh, amen? But what do you do with Jesus? You've got to decide. What are you going to do with Jesus? This is the authority that come over and over and over again throughout the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to be in chapter 4, by the way, next week. So please read ahead. Yes, the story's about Jesus. Maybe the story's about the man. Yes, the story's about the man. The man needs to meet Jesus, right? The man is paralyzed and he has no hope, and he needs hope. And the only one can give him hope is not his friends, right? They, they can do enough for him. They can, they can provide him faith. They can pick him up and take him. But ultimately, the one who changed his life is Jesus, right? So we've all been the man. If you've met Jesus, you've all been paralyzed before you met Jesus, at least spiritually. So maybe the text is about us. Maybe the text is about the friends. Did you know what Jesus said? Because of their faith. Because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. Chew on that for this point. Because of their faith. When I, when I ask you to fill this card out, I'm asking you to consider because of your faith, people around you will be healed. You think that's responsibility? Good. Because it's responsibility. You can't keep living like a Pharisee for the rest of your life. You can't just be religious. You have to do something about the, the plight in the world. You, you have to be the friend who will love them enough to take maybe the affection about being us as friends. Maybe it's about the crowd. Did you notice what the crowd said? The text says they were amazed. Now, if you've hung around Jesus at all, and I know many of you have, you've been followers of Jesus for a long time, are there things that Jesus does in your life that still amaze you? Or do you feel like, well, that's just coincidence, that's just a, that's just something that happens, you know, that's just whatever, it's your observation, or he will be. Or is there something, when the sun rises, do you recognize it's a gift from God? When the sun sets, are you reflecting on your blessings? Are you still caught up on the things that make you go, why? Make a difference? Why were they amazed? Because they've been far from Jesus. I mean, he was just... He was just a carpenter's son. He, he was just, we've never, we've never seen anything like this, even from our rabbis, even from our good teachers. 
They can't even do things like this. No, they can't. Why? Because they're not God. But I can promise you, when God shows up, when Jesus shows up, big things happen. So what's our response? My challenge to you this morning is if you're a man, if you're paralyzed, not physically, I know there's, I don't see physical paralysis in here. I see spiritual paralysis in a lot of people that I deal with. There's spiritual paralysis in me. And I know if I don't meet Jesus on a continual basis, guess what? We become more callous, more callous, more callous. Eventually, you can't even feel it. Maybe the man. Chances are, many of us are the people that God wants to use. They took a cot, church. To pick up a cot. To stop talking about, God loves you, be well. God, God loves you, I hope you figure out that next meal where it's coming from. God, God loves you, I, I, you know, good luck. No, God loves you, so here's what I'm going to do for you. So that if I do something for you, guess what? Now it's your responsibility to go do it for somebody else. Follow? That's the good news. And perhaps in 2019, God wants us to experience Him in a whole new way. And I want to hold you accountable. And I want you to hold me accountable. So please, before you leave this place this morning, I'm going to do the same thing. You can, sometime after today, you can look at my card, and I will give you a name. It says, this is the person I'm praying for. This is the divine appointment that I'm praying for. That they will be healed. That they will meet Jesus. Amen? Let's be the church. Let's pray. Father, for your word, for the gospel, for the good news. Um, so grateful, Father, we get a part, a little part, of being friends of, of those who need to, to know you, God. And there's no coincidence, I'm convinced, God, there's no coincidence in places that we are led to go. That places where you, uh, where you send us, where you carry us, uh, we know that your spirit is already there working. And I pray that you would allow us to see uh, those places. We pray for vision in the past. We pray for hearing in the past. And God, I continue to ask that you would not only provide those things, but hold our feet to the fire. Make us accountable first and foremost to you, and then to each other. God, so that when we call ourselves the church, if we're not going out and we're not affecting the world around us, and we're just a social club that meets on Sunday. God forgive us. If we're about your business, and we're able to see what you do to paralyze people around us, I'm so grateful, Father, that you allow us to carry cops. I pray for those in here that are paralyzed, God, that those who are healed. I pray for those of us who are part of the crowd who lack faith, give us faith, work within our hearts. Amen.